630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Reshot saved Talbot. Rebound Tumble Bluepin. Reshot Martinez saved Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the net. 12 seconds. Reshot Martinez saved made by Cam Talbot. And here come the Oilers. 2 on 1 to win it. McDavid in for the left hand side. Dry Sun awaits. There's the center pass. What timer? home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Well, we goodbye to one of the legends of the Canadian Football League. Don Matthews has passed away at the age of 77, second winningest head coach in the history of the CFL, second only to BC's Wally Buono. Don Matthews won 10 Grey Cups, including five as a head coach, a big part of his legacy forged right here in Edmonton, 1977 linebackers coach, 78 to 82, the magic years, five Grey Cups in a row. He was the defensive coordinator, went on to be a head coach, came back to Edmonton in 1989, defensive coordinator for that team that went 16 and two, though was upended in the West Final by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but that 89 team, still the best regular season record of all time. Wound up coming back to Edmonton to be the uh, head coach in 99 and 2000. He was uh, somewhat surprisingly dismissed during training camp in 2001. Some, uh, you know, a lot of reports of conflict with management at that time, and uh, that was it for Don Matthews in Edmonton. He went to Montreal, was in Toronto as well. A a guy who uh, was beloved by most of his players not always beloved by his opponents coached very aggressively and was never shy to tell you what he thought that's for sure my name is reed wilkins it's inside sports on 6 30 ched we're going to hear from a couple of uh, matthew's former players in just a minute i want to tell you what's going on with the toronto blue jays as well two nothing they trail tampa bay in uh, the bottom of the third also congratulations to todd nelson former coach of the Oilers farm team. Remember, he was the Oilers interim head coach for just over half a season after Dallas Aikens got fired. He leads Grand Rapids to the AHL championship. Grand Rapids winning game six last night, 4-3 over Syracuse. We'll uh, talk more about Todd Nelson a little bit later on tonight. I uh, do want to welcome to the show, though, a guy who was an Edmonton Eskimo from 1990 to 2002, so he played under Don Matthews for the Don's two seasons as Eskimos head coach. It is Jed Roberts. Jed, Welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm just sitting out here at the Lynx uh, Golf Course in Spruce Grove for the Canadian Hard of Hearing Association Golf Tournament. Uh, trying to stay dry here with Hector Apache. <laughs> okay, well, that's uh, that's good. You're uh, so you're still pretty because that was that was part of your story. Obviously, it was your uh, uh, hearing. I don't I don't even know what the politically correct word is, but you had hearing challenges, right? So you still remain involved yeah. in uh, helping people out. Yeah, they um, they asked me to become involved with them when I was still playing, actually, the Canadian Heart of Hearing Association. And, you know, so I do some uh, some work with them from time to time. I come and speak to some of their um, some of the people that they serve. And, and uh, when they asked me to be part of this uh, tournament, I jumped at it. So, you know, I, I kind of relate to, you know, the struggles that some people go through not being able to hear. And it's something I... I had to kind of battle through that adversity just to make it up to be able to play in the CFL and kind of my way of giving back, I guess. Give me, give me a sense of what it was like for you on the field uh, and how you dealt with that. Was it um, 
difficulty communicating with teammates, hearing whistles, talking to officials? What were the things you had to overcome? All of that. I, it was difficult. All of that was difficult. I can't, uh, when I have my hearing aids out, I can't hear anything. Like I, I, um, I've slept through fire alarms. Um, it's great when your wife's mad at you, but not so good when you've got to get up for, you know, an alarm for school or whatever. I used to have an alarm that used to vibrate my mattress. Um, I got lost that, I think, in one of my moves. I wish I still had it. But oh, wow. As far as playing football, it was um, very difficult. I couldn't hear audible, so what I had to do was find a workaround. And what I used to do was sit in on films with Willie Pless and Larry Ruck and um, break down plays with them, and then they would tell me what they would call on certain plays. And so I didn't have to know only my position, but I had to know where everybody else was. And so that was a very difficult um, adjustment worthwhile doing, though. It took a long time to get to the point where I felt comfortable enough to go out on the field playing in a regular defensive situation where I would know exactly what to do. And so I had to be right 100% of the time. I could never make mistakes. And so uh, I managed to fool them for 13 years, so I think I did okay. Well, yeah, no kidding. You had a, you had a great career. Were you a, So were you able to wear any sort of a hearing aid on the field, or was it just well, yeah. Yeah. I, I did. I wore. Well, the thing was, is I used to wear one because when I wear two, one would inevitably fall out every third time I'd hit somebody. Because when you're playing a sport, you know, as you well know, you perspire, and and with that, you know, things get kind of loosened up in your ear. And so my hearing aid would come out, and it would rattle around in my hearing aid like an angry hornet, and then I'd, you know, end up making a play or something, and it would fall out. I can remember being on TSN, and and uh, Leif Pedersen was standing there broadcasting on the sideline doing some color and um, he was talking about the fact that I was down into my hands and knees looking for a hearing aid and because I, I knew this because I was reading his lips and I looked up at him and I told him to get down and help me look for it. Oh wow. <laughs> so that's one of my most embarrassing moments. I actually ended up finding it the next day. We were the only grass field in the league and uh, so I watched the film and I, I saw where the contact had been made. I walked out to that spot and there it was. But they had turned on the sprinkler, so it had waterlogged my hearing aids. So I had to get the hair dryer out and watch and dry it out for about an hour before I could wear it again. Oh wow! So those were the types. That's the type of thing I used to have to put up with all the time. You know, in addition to just kind of learning the plays and trying to fit in with the team. How did how did, uh, did I mean? Did you kind of have to explain to new teammates sometimes, or how did that relationship work? <laughs> Well, the thing about football is is when you're playing on a team like Edmonton and, and you're bringing guys in from all over the U.S., you really don't want to get too close to them until you know they're going to be around for a while. So I didn't really make that effort until I figured the guy was going to be around. So I think a lot of people just thought I was very arrogant and didn't talk. But the fact of the matter was is when they said hello, I couldn't hear them. It wasn't that I was ignoring them. But uh, the guys that I, I became really close with were guys that I played with for a long period of time, and they all understood, and they all got it. So. Right. Jed Roberts joining us on Inside Sports tonight. Jed, thanks for sharing that. And we also wanted to talk to you tonight about Don Matthews, who uh, ha- has passed away at the age of 77, an incredible uh, coaching career in the CFL, part of the uh, five-in-a-row Grey Cup uh, champions for the Eskimos in the late 70s and early 80s when he was the defensive coordinator. He returned uh, 99 and 2000 as the head coach. So he was your head coach for a couple of seasons. Give uh, give fans an idea what it was like to have Don Matthews as your uh, head coach because he was a pretty uh, kind of one of those larger-than-life type figures, wasn't he? Oh, man, I couldn't do him justice. Like, I could tell you my impressions of him, but, you know, there's so much more to him than just, like, who he was on the football field. He was he was a guy that uh, lived, breathed. Uh, he, he just was football. You know, that's all he was. He, that's all he cared about. And he did everything 100%. Like, he wasn't a guy that was just going to... 
if he was in the room, you knew it. Like he wasn't, he wasn't one of those guys that was going to sit back in the shadows and kind of let things happen around him. He was the one that was going to be leading. You know, he was a he was a natural born leader, and he always had his little things that he would do. Like for example, we would have our special teams meeting. He had to be the last one in the room. Like he couldn't not be the last one in. So and when he came in, it was like that's when everybody got real quiet. All the dons in the room, right? So, right. and then he would go and do his spiel for that week or whatever. And and he had little quirks about him. You know, our teams when we when I play, I only got unfortunately I only had two and a half years with him as a head coach. I played against him for many years. You know, we lost the '96 Great Cup on a busted call, as you well know, in Hamilton there, and he was the head coach there. He'd had great success, but one of the reasons why he had such so much success is because he was a player's coach. And on the day before the game, he would implement the hat day, and everybody would wear the wildest, craziest hats they could find. And so we, we took it as a challenge to, to find the craziest hat we could. And, you know, I actually ordered a bunch of stuff from the States, and I had an Uncle Sam hat that I wore. And, you know, he had other guys that would wear, like, a pimp hat or whatever. Um, he also had what we called uh, the show, where we would have, like, a little – you had like maybe a 30 minutes to put on a skit. So different people would take turns putting on skits. And I remember sitting with singer Mobley and Terry Ray and, and um, a bunch of other guys, Sean Fleming from Alvin Hunter. And we came up with the, the stupid Olympics. And we came up with the, with the events. I remember in BC one time they gave me, we had a player named Hisham Elmas tube that nobody really liked on the team. I think this was in 2000. And so they begged me to get up and do a stand-up routine, and it was all at his expense. So I came up, and I told about 15 jokes in a row about this guy until he finally left and ran into the locker room, and everybody loved it. But Don would let that stuff happen, right? And so we kind of took over. But at the end of the day, when it came time to get down and play football, we were really good teams, and that was because we were so close. And he fostered that environment. So I really think and truly believe in my heart of hearts that those 03 teams and 05 teams that won the Great Cup really owe a big – uh, debt of gratitude to him because he was the one that implemented that closeness amongst the guys. It was that core group of guys that he brought in that really went on and won those championships. Yeah, good point. A lot of guys uh, were, were with Don and then still there by the time those two teams won. Jed, thanks yeah. for sharing some of those memories. Uh, it, it's great to catch up with you. I, I hope we can we can talk again in the near future and uh, enjoy the rest, the rest of your day. I really appreciate your time. I will. Thank you for having me on. That is Jed Roberts, former Eskimos linebacker, checking in. A very popular player. First of all, great insight on on Don Matthews, and that's what a lot of his players always said. He was a player's coach. He uh, fostered a, a great environment. He uh, he tried to make players feel like they could accomplish anything when they hit the field. And uh, you know, we kind of started talking there about uh, Jed's, uh, you know, about his hearing impairment. And he told the story about how he slept through fire alarms and, and missed stuff like that. And that was a big part of Jed's story, if you remember him playing, is that he had to overcome that to take the field. So I'm glad we got into that as well. Uh, Chris Morris will join us a little bit later on as well. Former Eskimos offensive lineman, now the coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team, with some of his memories of Don Matthews. By the way, if you'd like to reach us here on Inside Sports, you can text 63630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. A lot going on. The Eskimos rolling towards the regular season. They play at Winnipeg tomorrow in a preseason tilt. It's on 6.30, Chad. 5 o'clock for the pregame show. 6.30 for the kickoff. Morley Scott will preview. And, of course, uh, starting to pick up in the NHL. There was a trade today. I uh, don't think your socks will be knocked off. The Capitals get Tyler Grayovac from the Minnesota Wild. The Minnesota Wild get a fifth-round pick. 
The awards are one week from tonight. That's when Minnesota, or not Minnesota, uh, Las Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights, will name their team in terms of the players they've selected in the expansion draft. And then the draft, first round next Friday, rounds two through seven next Saturday, we'll have coverage from Chicago. The Oilers pick 22nd in the first round. Inside Sports on Eskimos Radio 630 Chat. We're coming right back. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Well, really appreciate you tuning in this evening. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Again, the text line is 630-630. Our phone number, 780-496-0063. A little more on Don Matthews. As uh, we move along tonight, Morley Scott will uh, set up Eskimos Bombers tomorrow. I mentioned the key dates coming up in the... Uh, in the NHL and for your Edmonton Oilers and it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks I mean this was the time of year where we got some surprises last year certainly at the NHL draft you know it was looking a lot like the Oilers were going to get Matthew Kachuk fourth overall who wound up going to the Calgary Flames and uh, and then what happens and then what happens Columbus Winds up going off the board a little bit, and uh, Jesse Puglia-Yarvi is there. Or, or the Oilers probably might have taken Mikhail Sergachev. I think that was maybe a stronger possibility. Uh, but they wind up with Jesse Puglia-Yarvi. Started the year with the Oilers, didn't necessarily play a lot, wound up finishing up with the uh, with the Bakersfield Condors. And that's good. And, and the storyline, I think the Everly storyline is top of the list, and then how that affects the right wingers. If Everly is traded, is is another right winger brought in, or are the guys down the right side going to be Drysital, Slepeshev, Cassian, Puliyarvi in some order? Is it going to be Kajula, Slepeshev, Cassian, Puliyarvi in some order, and Drysital's a center? I think that's certainly one thing I'm going to keep an eye on. Here, you know, people have asked me. I, I get asked a lot. Do I think Jordan Everly would be traded? Will be traded? If I had to answer yes or no, and I, I try to answer yes or no, my gut, and again, this is just my gut. There's there's a lot of scuttle out there. I mean, I I, I certainly think Everly's a player uh, that Peter Shirelli has involved in trade discussions a fair bit over the last couple of years. the The reason I say yes with Everly, and, and I'm gonna and, and I'm gonna skip the actual assessment of his play which I think we've kind of beat to death over the last few months and and we know how the playoffs went for him I I, I sometimes it's just as simple guys as just as, as just listening and going with your gut based on what you hear and what we heard after the season was a lot of positive talk from general manager Peter Shirelli and head coach Todd McClellan about Jordan Everly and you heard things like uh, he improved his his the power part of his game. Uh, you heard things like he's he, he's second on our team in touches after Connor McDavid. And, and it's that second one where I'm kind of like, all right, you've clearly gone through all the data you have on this player, and you've found the best possible talking points that you're going to say publicly. Because I think the last thing you do if, if if you want to trade a player is come out and just point out all his weaknesses publicly. Because then guys like me are going to talk about him, fans like you are going to talk about him, and that's going to become the dialogue. 
and I think that they were really careful. And again, this is just totally my interpretation of the situation and what I heard. But I think they were really careful to paint Jordan Eberle in the best possible light to the media and the fans. That, okay, don't don't focus on shortcomings or not scoring or continued problems or anything like that. Uh, and, and, you know, what what happened when Drew Remenda criticized Eberle's practice habits on Oilers Now? Did you notice who was on the, on that show one or two days later? saying Jordan Everly's practice habits were fine, it was head coach Todd McClellan. I mean, I'm not exactly turning into uh, Norman Einstein here by analyzing this. I mean, it's pretty, to me, to me it looks pretty obvious that they really want to paint the player in a positive light. And that just kind of leads me to believe, well, maybe something is afoot. We'll see. I've been wrong before. I don't pretend to uh, predict everything correctly. But every once in a while, Wilkie's gut comes up solid. That actually sounded disgusting. Uh, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. We'll uh, weave in and out of the hockey talk throughout the show. We'll weave in and out of the football talk. Chris Morris is going to join us with some of his uh, recollections of Don Matthews. It'll be interesting to get the thoughts from a player who's on the offensive side of the ball since Matthews was known so strongly as a defensive coach. That's coming up after the news. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Yeah, rumors flying around. Uh, I don't know when it kicked in last night. Maybe uh, Nugent Hopkins for Galchenyuk. Maybe a draft pick involved. Uh, I don't know about that one. Peter Shirelli's going to do something. I, I, I think he's more tinkering at this point. I don't know. Well, I mean, look, Everly could be a big name that goes. I'm not. I'm not going to rule out Nuge. I don't think it's as likely as uh, as Everly at this point. Here's here here. Okay, here's my question to you though. Did the Oilers not continue past the second round because they couldn't prevent goals or because they couldn't score goals? There's my question to you. I mean, it was 2-1 in Game 7. Now, I know they scored seven goals in the previous game. They scored three goals in a game they lost in the infamous Game 5. See, this this just sort of revolves around the questions around around this team. There's always going to be questions. I mean, they improved drastically. They got into the top eight in the league. I think they got a, a really good chance to be, uh, you know, first or second in their division for maybe several years here. You know, I think they've got some, uh, very good players in pace. In place, obviously, there's going to be changes every year. But it, but as as much as the dialogue with the Oilers in in recent years and through a lot of the decade of darkness was no goaltending and no defense, now is the question uh, depth scoring. Okay, and that, and that's and the totally and people have texted in, you know, don't be so cavalier about trading Everly. You know, twenty goals is twenty goals, absolutely. So if he's out of the lineup, you either have to think existing players. Like Puglia Yarvi, like Slepeshev, like uh, Kajula, potentially, you either have to believe existing players can can fill that void, or you have to bring in somebody else that can fill that void and maybe have a different element to his game than Everly. And let's face it, everybody, I, I think another question going into next season for the Oilers is: Are you going to get 27 from Maroon again? And, and full marks to Maroon for doing that. 
I think clearly his game evolved as an Edmonton Oiler over about a, what, a season and a quarter. But I don't hear like if McDavid is healthy, then yes, he should get around a hundred points again, right? That that offense is going to be there. You, you hope if he plays all eighty-two again or, or plays over seventy-five, heck, maybe he's over a hundred this year. Drysital, I think, proved what did he wind up with seventy-seven? You know, I think you can put you know Leon should be between. 72 and 85, maybe that's a wide range, but I think he can he can be right around a point a game again. Maroon, not that I'm, you know, denigrating his ability, but can you absolutely say he's getting 27 again? I don't think you can. I, I think Maroon can still have a very effective season. Maybe he scores 18 or 19 next year. So there is some goals shaved off. Who steps in and get, gets that, right? That's the interesting thing. Uh... This texture says, if people think Jordan Eberle is soft, imagine what they would say about Galchenyuk. He's even worse along the boards. There's a little, there's a little opinion on, on Galchenyuk. Well, you know, fair point. There aren't, there aren't a lot of perfect players out there. And I, I think sometimes we focus on what a player isn't instead of what he is. And again, so what are you going to look at with Jordan Eberle? That, that he can get 20 goals and 50-some points, maybe 60-some points if he does well? Or did you focus on the fact that he didn't score in the playoffs and, uh, you know, didn't get his shot away as often as you would have liked from a dangerous area and wasn't always great along the boards? So, I, I, you know, I, I do think he improved in that. I don't want to totally say he was, a, he was a waste at that. Jim says the Oilers lost because they couldn't score. Had the Everly line contributed, we'd be ho- hoisting the cup right now. Well, that'd be cool. We have uh, Don on the line, 780-496-0063. Don, good to hear from you. What's going on? Hey, Reed. Uh, enjoying the offseason so far? Well, I am. Uh, I don't know if you've been listening to the show, but I you know, I enjoy the offseason uh, chatter. It's going to pick up. I enjoy rolling into football season, and it's fun doing some other stories on the show like we've been trying to do as well. Yeah, yeah. You guys do a pretty good job. I'm impressed, Reed. Hey, listen, uh, I don't understand <clears throat> I played hockey all my life like oh. a lot of Canadians I've watched hockey all my life I'm not uh, a total uh, dull pencil when it comes to knowledge on <laughs> hockey but uh, I can't understand the the questioning surrounding why 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 is it even a question why we wouldn't sign Russell I think, well, I think they want to sign Russell. Um, I mean, I guess, here's the thing, Russell has some control, right? As an unrestricted free agent again. I I think, I mean, because of the timing of the expansion draft, you don't want Russell on your roster next week. Right, I so understand, yes. yeah, but I, 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 I'd like to bring him back, and I know you might have to overpay for him in terms of years or money. Yeah, maybe. I mean, if it's four by four, I'd be a little bit like, huh? That's you know, that's quite a bit for maybe your fourth or fifth best defenseman. But I, Don, my, I'm not changing my tune on Chris Russell once I got to see him play. The the beautiful thing about Chris Russell is he plays a certain way 
but he plays that way 98% of the time. So if you're in that dressing room, and look, who who are we talking about in the first half hour of the show? Don Matthews, getting the most out of your players, right? Creating a good environment. And I think Chris Russell is one of those guys that is seen as a good teammate. And I know some people find that hokey, but let's face it, it's it's probably reassuring for Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl or or, or Andre Secura to look over and, and think like, okay, Russell's in his stall tonight. I know what I'm going to get out of that guy. That mean, that does mean something. Yeah, it does. Absolutely, Reed. And it's not like we haven't overpaid before, but I think this one, uh, you know, I think we got to bite it on, on this one. And, yeah, the guy's got to want to play here. He he enjoyed playing here. I haven't seen our defense this good for a long time. Well, in since '06, that's how long it was. Well, there you go. Right, <laughs> and it that's wasn't as good time. as '06s because '06s had Pronger, but it was still the best since then. Yeah, I agree, Reed. I agree. Uh, you know, hey, I, I enjoy your show. Uh, look forward to. Uh, Another season. The, the boys are just getting better and better. And Dreisaitl and McDavid, they're not even close to what they're going to be yet. Well, yeah, let's hope so. Thanks for calling, Don. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Got the Blue Jays game on the TV. Tampa Bay leading Toronto 3-1. It is in uh, the bottom of the fifth as the Jays try to keep scratching their way back to the 500 mark. Uh, also later on tonight, we're going to talk about, I don't know if you guys saw this, Floyd, May- Floyd Mayweather, who hasn't boxed in almost two years, is going to fight Conor McGregor from UFC. We're going to have Victor Valimaki, our local uh, mixed martial arts guy on the show a little bit later on to discuss that. Right now we have Brian on line two. Hey, Brian. Hey, Reed. Go ahead, uh, man. Um, Chris Russell is uh, from Carolina, Alberta. Is that right? He is. A, yes, he is an Alberta boy. Absolutely. And uh, I know when he came here last year, I heard that he wanted to stay in Alberta, wanted to be closer to home. Is that still? Uh, is that true? Still hear that? Yes. I, th- I think his preference would be to be on an, on, on an Alberta team. Yeah. So I mean, that's got to be worth something. How old is he? Russell is. I'm just checking his birthday to make sure he hasn't had one. He on May. He was born May second, nineteen eighty seven. So he just turned thirty. Oh, he's thirty. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that would be that would be my first, you know, first couple of questions. If you know, if the Oilers are looking at resigning him and, and you know what kind of term, etc. But four years at four million does seem a little bit steep for a thirty year old. Yeah, that uh, that's the concern, right now. Yeah. I don't know. Could you buy it? Buy him out before the last year? Maybe you'd have to suck that up. You never know, right? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Uh, I think he has done nothing but improve the Oilers' blue line. Um, you know, with with a somewhat of a transition that he brings, and he's just he's very steady. Like you said, he plays the same way just about every night, and that is definitely valuable. Uh, I mean, who would you replace him with? If he's gone, who would be that number four guy? I mean, that that has that kind of experience and poise. Well, that's the thing. I, I don't think Nurse is quite consistent enough yet. Maybe he will be. I, I, I was talking on Oilers Now with Brendan earlier today. Bit of a tough year for Nurse because he got derailed by the injury. And probably you would have hoped by the end of the season he was a little better processing the game than he was. But I don't. But I'm certainly not giving up on that player. I mean, here's the thing: if Secker is out half the season, as you know, roughly, yeah. 
So is, does the do the Oilers start the season with Clefbaum, Larson, Russell, Benning, and Nurse, and maybe Griba again, or if somebody's ready off the fight? I mean, they may lose Reinhardt next week. Don't forget that. A week from now, yeah. Reinhardt could be claimed. Or, like, what if Eberle, it, like, what about those Islanders rumors come true and they get somebody ha- like Hamannick or somebody like that, then you go Clefbaum, Larson, Russell, and the new guy, and then Nurse and Benning are together again. I mean, at least yeah. they have some options there, right? Well, sure. But, again, uh, I, I, I don't know, you know, for, from watching how poorly our defense has been for, for years now, and it's not all the players, but just that unit, as, def- as a defense, how, how poorly they've been, and what a change you know has come about this last year. And I know Larson's been a part of that, but you know what, Russell to me is a, is a very important piece to the Oilers going forward, at least for a couple of years. I'm thinking. Clefbaum improved, Larson defended, Russell defended, Benning exceeded expectations, and I don't know. He was in studio Monday, and he says, "Look." I, I'm not an idiot. I know my job is to give the get the puck to the forwards and let them work their magic, right? So they have guys who understand their roles, simplify it, and, and that's what they go out and do. They're not running around trying to be heroes out there. Do, do you think Russell's going for a four-year turn, though? Do you think that's what he'll be looking at? Probably, yep. Yeah, probably because of his age, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, and they're at that point, right, where I would, I mean, heck, I'd do it. Get as much as you can. But yeah. Uh, I, I hope he wants to stay in Edmonton. I think there's some nice well, advantages to being here. You know, you know, Calgary's probably going to pitch something at him too, though, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah, probably, and he did play there before. Uh, but now I think Edmonton has a better team than Calgary, quite frankly. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. What, is the, what is Calgary's weakness going to be this year? I, I mean, as far as defense goes... They're pretty solid, aren't they? They got a pretty good D. I, I, I still, I don't, I don't know what Calgary's going to do in goal, Brian. Yeah. I mean, Elliot, Elliot did not have a good year. I think we can flat out state that. Johnson kind of saved their season. So, is he the guy? That's going to be the question for them. I think. Well, is, is, is Las Vegas? Uh, I, I mean, Las Vegas may end up with four goalies. Is that right? They they could end up with four goalies that are. Uh, you know they can't protect all the goal. All the teams can't protect. They can only protect one goalie, right? Yes. So Las Vegas could end up, you know, uh, selecting maybe even more than four goalies, and then just no, no. They got to take. Uh, I got to double check the numbers here because they can only take. Uh, they got to take a certain number of guys from each position, right? Like right. they they couldn't just take. Like hypothetically, they couldn't take twenty eight forwards. I just got to double check it because I got a bad memory. Uh, Las Vegas must select 14 forwards, 9 defensemen, and 3 goalies. Oh, okay. So, so that uh, adds up to, and then they can take, yeah. So I guess they could take 4 goalies if they wanted to. But you know what? You know what could happen is, I mean, there's some, there's some pretty good backup goalies in the league. They could, they could obviously take more than they need and then, and then trade away those, uh, those goalies, right? That's a good point. And, it's, and it sounds like Fleury's going to be there right already so there you go yeah i bet you calgary's already looking <laughs> brian thanks for calling thanks Reed. all right 780-496-0063 morley scott chris morris kevin carius victor valamaki all ahead this is mike riley from your edmonton eskimos and you're listening to inside sports with reed wilkins on 6 30 chet 
Mike Riley not expected to play tomorrow when the Eskimos take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Play-by-play voice for the green and gold right here on 630 Chet is Morley Scott. Morley, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm very good, Reed. Thanks very much. How are you? Good. How lovely is it in Winnipeg? Uh, it's Winnipeg is weird today, man. It was uh, the weather is all over the place today. Uh, I went to Bombers practice this morning, and uh, it was pouring right at the start of practice. Then it was brilliant sunshine at the end of practice. I got back to the hotel, was doing some work. I looked out my window. I could not see a thing out the window. And then a half an hour later, it's clear as a bell, and uh, it's another beautiful day. So uh, when it, weather's weird, man. Weather's weird. Uh, a place where the Eskimos, uh, well, an investors, uh, investors group field specifically, has been good to the Eskimos. Uh, I mean, preseason, they obviously want to win, but it comes down to some of the individual battles and guys trying to showcase themselves. Uh, I, I mean, look, maybe, maybe a big story is who's not playing tomorrow. Uh, no, no, no Riley, some other star players not expected to play. Who is, go- who is going to play Morley that this is a big game for? Well, I think it'll be a big game. Let's start on the defensive side of the ball, Reed, and go to that will linebacker position. And I think it's a big game for both Adam Konar and Blair Smith, and maybe even for uh, Christoph Malamba Chumanga. They'll all be playing uh, part of the game at that will linebacker spot. And through camp, all the coaching staff has been talking about how close these guys have been, and especially Smith and Konar, and how close they have been, and that the games will decide. Well, this is going to be an opportunity for them to play a lot more than they played in the first game of the preseason and make a mark. So I'll be watching those guys. Uh, also watching the defensive line as well, especially Dequan Bowers, and see if he can uh, come up and have another good game. I really liked his game uh, on Sunday at Commonwealth against the Calgary Stampeders. Had, uh, had a sack, had a strip for a forced fumble and uh, played really well, I thought. Uh, other than that, on the defensive line, you're not going to recognize many of the names except for maybe Kwaku Boteng, who uh, will also play in a backup role on the defensive end. Uh, he had a pretty good game, I thought, too, on Sunday. Offensively, everybody's going to be looking at, uh, at uh, Duke Williams again to see if he can do Again, this week, what he did last week, uh, he will be uh, working in a slot back uh, position for this game. He had uh, about 150 yards uh, in receiving. Could have had close to 200 because he had one big bomb that was called back. So uh, he made an impression for sure, and uh, I think people want to see. And that's what it's all about, Reed, right? You can have a good game, but you've got to be a guy who has good games and that everyone who had a good game on Sunday, they'll be watching to see if they can duplicate it and play well again tomorrow night against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, well, that's that's going to be the big thing, right? Williams probably the most encouraging player, at least for me. Uh, Duke Williams coming out of that game against uh, Calgary. Now, here's the, here's the thing: Do you think he has a chance to unseat one of the guys who's already penciled in as a star? I mean, here's the thing: You're not going to take Bowman out. You're not going to take Zilster out. They signed Hazelton to play. Is Williams more cementing himself here as the first guy in if they need somebody else? I think that may be the case because you're right. Obviously, Bowman and Zilstra aren't going anywhere. If if the if he unseats anybody, maybe it's Vidal Hazelton. I'm not sure, but right now you got to say that he's behind all three of those guys, and that means he's not in the lineup because you're addressing three American receivers, and those are the three guys right now. So he might be headed to the practice roster or at least 
to the healthy scratch list for the two game, uh, the two guys who are uh, scratched from the 46-man roster every game, at least to start. Maybe he's going to be uh, like Darrell Walker was two years ago, like Brandon Zilstra was last year, a guy who gets called upon mid-season or late in the season and uh, gets an opportunity to run with the football. And we know what those two did. They both did it very well. So maybe uh, Duke Williams will get that opportunity at, at uh, some point this season. But that's a decision they're going to have to make. And, and will he want to stay on a practice roster uh, if that's what they've asked him? And will other teams, if he goes to the practice roster, will other teams make an attempt to sign him? Yeah, there's a lot more in this than just saying, either roster or practice roster. Okay, Morley Scott joining us from Winnipeg. He's calling the Eskimos and Blue Bombers tomorrow night here on 6.30, Chad. The pregame show will start at 5. So, Morley, give me a sense of what this of, of when this game ends. What's the timeline for whittling down the roster and, and declaring, well, I guess, the, the 2017 Eskimos, at least for the start of the season? Well, I think it'll get delayed because it's a road game, right? So they'll have to travel home. The coaches will probably start watching video and talking on the plane on the way home after the game tomorrow night. They'll probably meet all day Friday. They have until, I believe it's 8 p.m. on Saturday to make their final roster moves. Uh, they'll, they'll also wait till after the other teams play their games, too, because they'll want to watch other guys on other teams to see if you know anybody they're interested in gets released on another team so i don't think we'll hear anything major we might hear a couple of names here and there but i don't think we'll see anything major until late on saturday uh, 8 p.m is the deadline and i would expect that they might just do it all at once and just lop off about 40 names off the roster okay well that's going to be something to watch for morley thanks for checking in looking forward to hearing your call tomorrow night have fun in winnipeg thanks reed talk to you later Five o'clock pregame show, six thirty kickoff right here on six thirty Chet Eskimos and Bombers news coming up. Chris Morris with memories of Don Matthews. Little hockey and football talk with Kevin Carius coming up too. Six thirty Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on six thirty Chet.